Once you take Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I can't help it. Helen Hartison. This program is sponsored by P4P the number one drug break sponsorship foundation as well. You take it from here, Desiree. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> if you if are, you a are drug a drug-free athlete. <laughs> there you go. Do it. Do it. All right. All right. Finish it. Finish it. No, take it. But I need I need more Aussie accent. Oh, that's just too bad, Desiree. Well, anyway, if you are a drug-free athlete, and are looking for a solid foundation to stand on and a vehicle to draw your bulls like what, Desiree? Like a Mack truck through ice cream. Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> I love our intro. <laughs> I, wonder if, uh, I wonder if Crikey could be an ice cream flavor, what it would be. We can ask on yes, that's for sure. But anywho, All right. check us out at peoplebemuscle.com. And now let's chit chat with Santa. And I have the hostess, co hostess, that's the mostest. My sister from another mister. That there's a Roy. There's a Roy. And Kaylin Patterson. <laughs> so I started with the chit chit chatter of the banter a little early tonight. But honestly, folks. You have to know, if you see our promo emails, how many of you see our promo emails? I'll tell you how many. Not many. Why? Because you guys know where we're going to be and when we're going to be there. But if you were to sign up to, like, follow us at Blog Talk Radio on our page out there, you would get notifications of of who we're speaking to every Tuesday and Thursday. So you would kind of have, like, a sneak peek, an advanced look before the show on who's actually going to be in the show. So for those few, and I, and it's very few, I don't know if I should be ashamed of that or not, but for the very few of you who are actually signed up to receive the alerts, you know that we have one of our favorite Aussies on the show tonight. And uh, we're going to bring him on here in just a second. But be thinking about that. If crikey, I know the rest of our Australian followers probably want to punch me right now, but if crikey were an ice cream flavor, what would it be? What would it be? So so there you have it. Be thinking about that. Peppermint. Something to ponder. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Maybe it might be a Vegemite. Although I don't think that would be a good ice cream flavor. I don't. And I really do. want to understand what Vegemite why that's so popular. I'm not even quite sure what that is. I just heard it <laughs> in a song, I think. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. I am totally off track. With that being said, with that being said, we have tonight from, I believe it's right, and Mark will correct me if I'm wrong, but Brisbane, Mr. Mark South, PH360 nutritionist, on the show tonight to talk with us about one of his favorite topics, well, maybe two, the first one being food and the second one being bodybuilding. And we are going to delve into what do two of those have to do with Mark and how, 
and how is he meshing those together? So, Mr. Mark South, say hello to our listener land and introduce yourself for any of our newer listeners who may not be familiar with you. Yes, thank you. Good evening, everybody. Um, yes, my name's Mark from Brisbane, Australia, and I'm currently um, a food specialist with a medical uh, group called PH360. Um, this predominantly sees me working with the general public and people with uh, med- medical il- illnesses, etc., uh, around life, I would call it, you know, food, mind, environment, everything that affects our body. And uh, whilst the general public or that medical health is predominantly the area I focus on or the amount of interest and engagement with myself, the last few years I've also been delving into the bodybuilding world, uh, which is quite an amazing uh, environment uh, for a few reasons, both learning uh, and also working with athletes now and branching that out to multiple sports as well. Um, But it's generally about health. That's the pinnacle and uh, the base behind everything and the stepping stone for whether you have a medical condition, whether you just want to, you know, really give yourself a shot in the arm and a, a way of life to understand yourself and what's good for you, or whether you're trying, you have a focus that could be sports or business or whatever, where you just want to be at your optimal. Oh, all right. Oh, and well, now it makes sense. Um, yeah, there's, hold on. Um, I, Mark, I, I got a question for you. Oh, uh, what? What made you become involved with helping bodybuilding? Um, to be honest, uh, was treating people in the general public, and that being my focus, I, as you know, I physically live with one. And uh, I would forever not be able to find my green tea or something because someone's put some protein powder, some alglutamine, some creatine, some multi-green herb, you know, everything in the pantry where I couldn't find my stuff. So this used to frustrate me. Also, the amount of stuff that this bodybuilder would also purchase. And to be honest, the amount of money it used to cost us as well. And then I was like, oh, we're we're miles away from each other in how we practice. And I just felt with someone who's really successful in their life and they're doing okay and they're happy, I didn't really need to get involved. Then when Tanika became pregnant, et cetera, and she was doing a few things, I think, you know, out of frustration and out of caring, I began to ask her questions why she did things that went to and from, to an extent where she said to me, listen, you know, we do share everything in our life, but would you like to help me a little bit more? And I said, yes, okay, but you've got to be open and I've got to be able to listen. So, as I was doing that, it raised a lot of questions on the mindset and um, where she was actually coming from or what she was used to, which then saw me venture out to you know, really review from other coaches, other participants through what's on the internet, from my connection with them, going to a few shows, which I never did in, in, in the past, listening to people tell me about their experience, what they find good, what, what they're struggling with. And everything then just was like, okay, there's a lot of information out there that is very cloudy for people. Um, some people just, some simple few tips getting back to me, hey, Mark, that really worked for me. Thank you very much. Um, it was just that keenness then that there's an avenue or there's a field out there that I I just became in, 
in, interested in. Why do people say you shouldn't eat carbs and these types of things where it's quite, um, it's quite a million miles away from the way that I look at things at times and then sometimes I can relate to it. So it was just a case really of exposure to uh, a bit of confidence from me as well, exposure to people who wanted a little bit of advice and that was open to, to not walk away from what they know but to allow other things into their life and... I've just had success with people, so it's just been, you know, a tremendously uh, great experience to be able for people to allow me in to share and for me to also have a hunger to try and learn more about the industry and, and these people as individuals, Kayla, not just as a general population, but as individuals. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, and I, I mean, and there really is, a lot of crossover when you get down to just the nitty-gritty of basic health. But before we get too far down the road in that conversation, we've already got several listener questions rolling in. Um, so I'm going to take a step back before we lose um, kind of this thought. But Carla is wondering, what is PH360? Is that a workout program? So there's that. So we'd like a little more background on what exactly PH360 is. And then a great follow-up question from Sinclair is, what's the difference between working with a person in prep, so bodybuilding prep, and working with a person in regular life? Just, you know, your normal Joe Schmo who just wants to be healthy. So those two questions, okay. Mark. Okay. Well, PH360, first of all, is, if I gave it a head, and it's a hostilic um health platform um, and it's and it's based on body science it's governed and managed by six leading global professors that have obtained and have access to all the recent uh, and ongoing um, med, 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 medical research data so it's like approved data it's not just somebody doing a trial on a one-off it's actually med medical approved data and it's all around the body so your your dna your 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 body type your chronobiological your embryoism so everything on how the body works it has a lot of orphaic medicine in there chinese medicine in there so it's a a, a natural way uh, of telling people how, you know what they are where they stand for um, it's a medical platform, so it asks you a huge amount of questions, e.g. from uh, issues with your body, like do you have bags under your eyes, do you have varicose veins, as well as are your ears attached to you, because these all make up a pool of genetics. So it's a, a platform also that is evolving, so you as uh, anyone who goes on the platform, you give the data, and the more that you update and and show the changes on the platform, it gives you what is ideal for you now and it's individualized it's not about anybody else it's not it's general information but it, it gives you food and the, and recommendations on the food and why you should eat it based on your current body so if you had bags under the eyes for instance it would improve your vitamin k if you had toxins in your body or a colon issue it would give you the right advice for you to be able to manage yourself or to work with like people like myself to be able to assist you greatly in a, in a much broader avenue than what it says. So it's a medical platform based on current science. Um, the difference between somebody going in for prep and someone in general life is basically it, it, it all 
we could broaden it. It all goes down to the goals of the person. Number one, there's the ambition to get the body in as best condition as it possibly can be and to establish where you currently are as to where you want to move towards your goals. Now, someone in body comp is going to be going through a potential hectic time where they're cutting out foods and this, that, and the other. Um, but the case for me is on, on where I see the difference is being able to look at it much broader than that process to help people through the year so they get to a point where cutting isn't so long. But, of course, it's uh, a focus on different macros, different timings of foods, etc. where a general person um, isn't too far away. They're just not looking at cutting their fats or having their body composition in the same style. So the treatment is extremely the same. It's just those factors that get you to where your goal um, needs to be. So if someone's at a 15% fat score, uh, I find that quite healthy and quite good, dependent on their sex and, and, and their age, versus somebody who is prepping who wants to get below that, then, of course, foods and handling is completely different uh, because the goal is different. Okay, gotcha. So hopefully, um, Sinclair, that helped answer your question. Now, Mark, you said something very interesting in your last answer, and you spoke about timing of food. Now, generally in the bodybuilding world, we are we are familiar with, I guess, quote-unquote, timing our food, and we usually do that around workouts and so on and so forth, but in the sense that you're speaking, and especially with the general population, does timing of eating still apply? And for that matter, I, I mean, even timing of exercise. I mean, is there a rhyme or a reason to all of that? Sure. I mean, we 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 have a body clock. And if you think of it of a production line, um, if we, you know, if we have people coming to work, we want to provision all the supplies for these people to work this production line to a certain specification. And we basically brought them in at a time that we see as most most relevant. If we treat that to the body, Desiree, if a body or a body type has a chronological clock where its gene activity is the best at a certain time, it also relates that your body is most uh, active and most effective at that time. So when you actually uh, supply it with provisions at that time, it's going to make it's it's the most efficient time for you to work the body and to supply it. If that if that makes sense. So if we look at certain body types, like a uh, like a Kalen, for instance, uh, if we feed him really well at midday, which is where his genetic ability is at its height and his output is at at, at its height, his training times is excellent between two and four, where He's been able to digest the, um, the majority of the food. Uh, his muscles are having what they need. His energy levels are where they need. So he's going to perform a lot more effectively for his total body between two and four than he would at eight o'clock in the morning when his genetic uh, and his body energy is just not functioning. Um, so there are great times for lesser-weighted people. They work great at cardio, stretching, motion in the mornings and really focused high energy in the afternoons. That's It's slightly different. So um, there are best times. Um, also, the relationship of food, uh, you can treat it the same. Uh, we say about carbohydrates, and I know in a lot of advertising in the body industry, you only have carbs after 
after a, a workout. I find this quite quite a horrific statement. But the thing is, again, if you eat carbohydrates, fruits, starchy things in the daytime, it's when it's most active and when the likes of Kalen can utilize this most effectively and then train, he has no uh, he has no leftover. He has no derogatory yeah. symptoms from the food that's going to cause weight because he's used it effectively, he's utilised it, and he has no leftover. Um, we are actually not just what we absorb, but we're, it's also our absorption and our utilisation. So we want to supply the body with the nutrients it needs to perform. Um, and that includes uh, not just clearing the gut, that includes our organs that actually work towards our betterment, whether that be general health or whether that be muscle building. Um, it's an actual activity that we need to support. Um, we can't build our muscle without supporting it with weight. Uh, we can't, you know, but it also goes to the food. So there are times a day and genetic activity from our point of view in a larger frame person, they just don't manage sugar and carbohydrates and even animal proteins that well in the evening. So the result of this is is that they can absorb it, but they don't have the people on duty or the gene activity to effectively control it and use it. So the body will say, nobody's at work for that for that type of food at the moment. We just store it in our walls, in our cells. So mm-hmm. carbohydrates have got a nasty uh, reputation because of this factor that people just aren't using them. They're just storing them, e.g. weight gain. So... If you was a, a lighter frame person, you only really worry about sugars at night because that's a genetic capacity that your activity level in sugars is not that high. So if you have access, it's going to be used, you again store it. So you get a light frame person, an ectomorph, they, they, they just burn it. You know, you, you don't see them putting on weight. They just burn it. But you do, as you go up the scale of body type, see a lot more storing. And that is the issue for people who gain diabetes, et cetera, and this is basically the result of this storing. Okay, so very interesting. And actually, that is just a natural segue into our next question from Jacob. And, Jacob, I think he's actually pretty much answered your question, but we'll go ahead and put it out there, and then we'll touch on anything that we may have missed. But Jake is asking, if carbs aren't, in enemy of a person's diet, how did they become so demonized? As a kid, I was told to limit, limit, and limit my carb intake throughout the day. And I think what Mark is saying is, carb. well, first of all, two things. You have to dif- differentiate, I think, between a good carb and a bad carb. I mean, there, there's, there's that. I'll put that out there. Mark didn't say that, but I'm throwing my two cents in. And then secondly, what Mark is saying is, depending on when your body is using energy or when you have energy out you're exerting or you're using energy i'm stumbling here depending on when your body is using the energy you're either going to burn it or you're going to store it so that's part of the problem we see a lot in the american culture is we're consuming far more energy than we could possibly burn and so that's why carbs think tend to get a bad rap but mark go ahead and clean that mess up for me yeah, of course, there's good and bad carbs. Uh, if you're talking about whole foods, there's very little wrong to take that approach initially. So whole foods, potatoes, sweet potatoes, fruit, um, 
rice, etc. It's it's uh, you know well not not so much rice nowadays, but the it's it's a whole food. So it's not only carbs, it's fiber, it's everything else that is good that helps us utilize the food. So it's just a, it's just that we want to really supply the body at the right times of day, um, which is in line with our genetic activity, our body activity, where it's going to absorb and utilize. Um, okay, and there's good. some obvious there's some obvious times when it's when it's not uh, it's it's not also viable to give certain people that as well. All right, wow. and I know you've got some thoughts in this area. It, well, boy, you know, it, it, I, I get the understanding of um, what he's asking, and I, I do remember the Atkins diet being really popular uh, for his. Uh, childhood when he was growing up so I can understand why it was being pushed. I always thought that was a gimmick. There was just something that didn't sound right about it. Um, Mark, can you elaborate on that? Because I, I, you know, I, I don't know if an, enough listeners we have are familiar with Atkins and why it was so popular, but I know you uh, had the research on that so maybe you could uh, answer that further by explaining basically counterculture of basically, you know, that cause to me, that's one of the best bro science gimmicks that, gimmicks that went popular in mainstream, and maybe that had something to do with why parents were so uh, strict on that guideline or something like that. Just, just help us out because it, it, it's a little confusing for people who weren't in that time and era, so it might be better explained by you. Yeah, I think that it's the control over carbs and what these diets have come up with. You see a lot nowadays, Kaylin, on the keto diet, for instance, or ketosis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 to remove carbs so they're not no longer discussed. It's to make yourself divorce of them because they're negative. Our problem has always been that we, you know, it's like a negative, so we just completely push it to one side. And we don't listen to the benefits of it because we pushed it to one side. Um, so we've gone on to diets such as high animal protein, uh, etc., which can also have an issue for us. So everything is basically us not really having an understanding. And to be honest, by 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 cutting out carbohydrates, we're actually telling our body you've got none. So our body has to physically go in a uh, in a motion to try and help us stay and preserve ourselves, that it goes looking for sources somewhere else. So our body is really clever. It can get by for a certain length of time, but we have to remember that all the betterment of carbohydrates, fruits, um, direct uh, items like potatoes, etc. We've removed the benefit of them from our body. So if we're after losing weight, there's every chance we will lose weight because we're actually depriving our body of a very good nutrient. It's fighting. Um, fruit wow. and veg and wow. carbohydrates were put on this earth for a particular reason. It's just that we've been too ignorant to understand, or not ignorant, but people don't get, where do you go to to get the information on yourself? when are carbs good for you and when they're not. Um, I found the, I, I change people's minds on carbohydrates, Kaylin, only by supporting them through a process that at the end of it, they can then say, wow, 
okay, I'm eating more fruit, I'm eating more potatoes and stuff, um, and I've actually lost weight still. I've gained muscle. Mm-hmm. It's because the carbohydrates, it, we're not looking at to control carbohydrates. It, these items are looking to push them completely out of the question. Um, and this became a huge thing for me in the bodybuilding. Why would you want to decrease glycogen or insulin load when you're a bodybuilder? Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't. I just can't fathom this. Um, and I think the thing is, that, again, when people talk about the difference between someone being naturally healthy and somebody trimming down, you want to understand your body and what what the effect of food and the timing that it has is on your body. Because the effect for you, Kaylin, is going to be very different for the effect mm-hmm. of Desiree. Mm-hmm. So it's basically enabling an individual to say what's the effect of carbs on me what are the best carbs I should take and when should I take them Um, because carbs are physically here for a betterment there but they do have the offset of too much of anything is going to get stored Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and I think part of it too just for the general public because I hear this all the time people are saying "I'm, I'm cutting off carbs but I'm I'm only eating uh, protein and vegetables. Well, then I'm like, you're really not cutting all carbs. <laughs> there are carbs in vegetables. There are carbs in fruit. I mean, there, there's really not a true understanding of what carbs are. And I think that's part of the issue, too, of demonizing carbs is that we associate them with sugar, white flour, you know, those sorts of, of yeah. food products, yeah. and not necessarily all of the whole foods that are actually, you know, complex carbohydrates. So, Kaylin, I know you've got some thoughts on that too. Yeah, um, Mark said something, and I, I, you know, it kind of confused a lot of the listeners, and he said ignorant. And I hope people aren't confusing ignorant with the word stupid. If you, Ignorant means you simply do not know or have no knowledge. And so you will be making choices and decisions that aren't fully well thought out because you don't have all the information to work with. There was a lot of misinformation. There is a lot of misinformation that's been been handed out in the form or, or in, like, the background of health and fitness, and it's the furthest thing from it because, like, like Mark said, if you're not addressing your body's needs, then your body has to react in ways that aren't really – uh, life-sustaining or, or, or health-sustaining. And it's it's not saying that you're stupid by saying you're ignorant or something. There's plenty of things I'm ignorant about, especially if you go in the, on the math side of things or pretty much anything tech that goes beyond, uh, you know, Microsoft <laughs> Windows. So, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not hurt when somebody says, hey, you're really ignorant to this. It's not calling me stupid. I just don't know. And the only way you do find out is basically asking the question need to be asked, and if you're saying you know everything or you have the understanding, then people will probably not address that because you already know. Why be redundant and keep putting information out there that you already have an understanding? So, you know, guys, please don't think that he's saying anyone is stupid because that's the furthest thing from what he's saying, and that's the furthest thing from his heart. So, you know, I'll just throw that out there, and then I'll pass it back to you guys. Well, and I'm just going to go ahead and share this now. This is from Jackie, and she said, 
I love Mark's accent, but I love his brain more. Thanks for having him back. So I definitely do think you're sharing a lot of great stuff with us tonight. And uh, actually, I'm going to go ahead and get this question out here from Vince also. He says, I have done my diet correctly. I have lost body fat all over my body, and yet my belly fat just sticks around. I haven't done anything extreme, no model in a bottle or any fad, nothing like that. Why is it still sticking around? Hashtag help, hashtag going crazy. That's from Vince. Yeah, I mean, if I'm just, I will answer it this way. I mean, our body reacts to triggers. So basically something that is not, not, not normal, but something that increases or decreases uh, a trigger in our body. So if you want to build muscle, one of your triggers is, is to actually rip the muscle. Um, the thing is about foods is that it's just around the time, you're, if, if you're like a larger set person, you will always have a, a ring around the tummy. And it's predominantly because whilst you're, you're losing fat across your body and your tummy is staying there, you're still actually storing. So... Your, your timing of your consumption may be slightly need reviewing. Um, plus also we need to create a bit more of a burn, which is generally also a few things to look at is your metabolism. So it would be very encouraging to make sure that your food um, helps your metabolism. And we do that through like warming foods, say garlic, onions, uh, shallots, chives, chili. Um, so it's talking about internal not not that it just tastes hot but it's internally warming in our body to raise the metabolism and to be very careful about your carbohydrates and i would need to know the gentleman's body type which could just be a picture or whatever but if he's a larger set person it's just watching those carbohydrates animal proteins and sugars in the evening uh, which are still being stored from just no utilization so you need to actually change something to actually create a different trigger um, to help you um, not uh, to, to help you get to that next level. And if you're a larger built person, just try and lift a bit heavier. <laughs> How silly it sounds. Um, you know, larger people are natural storers. When we start to decrease the amount they have available, their nervous system says, oh, 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 you know, what, what the hell's going on here? I'm going to go into... Uh, uh, a, a fast, uh, like I'm, I'm not going to release so much stuff from my walls because I really need it. So that uh, component of giving them a, their brain a trick, like artificial weight, can help them as well. But it's mainly looking at the amount of foods that you eat and around the times, and making sure that you're really warming your body up, and don't go to cold things like your lovely ice cream, Desiree. That's going to cool the body down, <laughs> slow the metabolism down. <laughs> it's just not a good. Thing. And I have to laugh because Dale is asking, um, shouldn't Kaylin and I want a Vegemite shake instead of ice cream? And, you know, we probably should have that, Dale, but it doesn't mean that we would prefer that. So <laughs> I'll throw that out there. But, Mark, I have to clarify, I have to clarify real quick. Um, we have several listeners in your last comment asked if you said that you have to rip the muscle, RIP. And, yes, folks, that's what he said. Um, when you're building muscle, you know, anytime you work out, you are breaking that muscle down, in essence, ripping it and you experience the growth as it's healing. But, Mark, if you want to just go ahead and provide some clarification around that statement for our listeners. Yeah, of course. Of course, if we're trying to build muscle, 
the thing is we're putting uh, the main focus or the activity is to place uh, tension on the muscle um, to a point where you actually break it down, you tear it, you rip it. And the cycle then is is for the muscle to repair itself uh, in a more and with a focus to be more stronger because it's just experienced a load that it's found it can't support your body in. So it wants to be bigger because it feels the potential that you're experiencing something that it just can't control and it's there to really support you in your actions and movements. So to break, to tear it, not to tear, but to damage the muscle where it needs to repair is the activity that in bodybuilding is your is your go-to method to grow muscle. Yep. So there you have it. It's, it, it, it's actually and, and pretty... I think, uh, go ahead. Yeah, and I think to, to, to go back to the carb thing on, on this, uh, this array, um, when we actually bench press, it's a, you know, and we, and we put the muscle underneath strain, I would call this, I hope you would agree, an intensive activity. You know, a lot of people's heart rates can, can get quite high, etc., etc., etc. And this is, and we want some type of insulin or glycogen load or energy source, let's say, to be able to support us. But when we look at no carb and we go to like a ketosis um, type of thing where we're burning fuel, a very serious medical condition can be is the rising of the heart rate and the body not being able to support it because fats and proteins are far more harder to burn off. So therefore, they're best to be done in a lower control type of intensity than what bodybuilding actually requires you to do. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And I'm going to, I want to come back to what I believe you're saying about protein because there's a couple of questions that I need to get to here, but hold that thought. We're just going to park that, but we're not going to forget that altogether. Um, I did want to get to this question from Dana. She is asking, um, and we are going to, we are switching uh, gears here a little bit. Do you feel obesity is really a disease or is it just a bad habit or a set of bad habits? Well, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? It's our choices. You know, the mind, this, this, this is a very, you know, obesity is a result of our lifestyle. Um, but it's very good question because it's about how we manage our lives. It's about us as an individual, whether we're time poor, whether, you know, too much activity, whether our mind is, you know, we're upset with stress, etc., that can lead to that. You know, it is very much a lifestyle. Um, we have to accept that certain bodybuilders are going to have a BMI that is over 21, which we call a beast. It's not a problem for people like that because we're actually able to measure their fats, their storage versus their muscles. So they're naturally going to be high. Um, but it's very much a lifestyle. It's, you know, it's giving yourself time to actually, you know, identify what's good and what's bad for you and what you can do within your lifestyle um, to change, to help you reduce your obesity. Um, you know, and it's your choice if you want to move on uh, bad carbohydrates, etc., etc. Then you would naturally expect that this is not the bad for you, and the potential is is to maybe get to a, a position where you have obesity. So it's just very much a lifestyle, and 
how how you look after it or give yourself time to you know make the right choices for yourself. And there you go, Dana. Dana also has a follow-up question, though, um, and she's wondering, so given with what we just talked about in this obesity lifestyle that, that seems to be running rampant in the U.S. and also around the world, why aren't experts, um, consultants, nutritionists like you in more demand? Uh, I think that we are in quite a high demand. I think there's two things, you know, from a practitioner's point of view, that we're so used to going to um, practitioners or structures that we've always gone to, um, and we're used to that, and we put faith in them, um, but we don't necessarily get the same results. How many doctors actually talk to you about food or your chronobiological clock? There's not many of them that do. It's not, it's not a bagging of them. It's that it's just not the practice, and the outcome will always be um, giving you a little bit of information that's generic and giving you a, a, pres- a prescription script. But people yeah. are. I find that I'm very mindful of this, right, is uh, the price also in private practice because these type of people aren't normally in your normal government schemes. Um, you know, you get a very generic... Uh, pamphlet when you leave a hospital uh, which is kind of based on you, kind of not based on you. The demand is very high. It's just knowing uh, you know, advertising ourselves and knowing where to look and the person themselves saying, hey, I want to get an opinion from somewhere else. Gotcha. The demand is you know, is certainly very much there. So much so that I think something I found very healthy is I try to I try to coach people where they don't need me, that they can have a platform like PH360 that they can continually utilise, but they understand to be able to manage themselves, because I I've seen 250 more patients uh, clients this year than I did last year because I applied this to just get people learning how to do things themselves. Uh, and the cost is a little bit prohibitive for some people as well. So you know, us practitioners need to be very mindful of our purpose. Um, it's not just financial. It is actually to support people. So we need to make it um, within the reach of people to be able to get to the information, even because if they don't have it, they're not going to be able to do anything with it. Yeah, that's true. And, there's you know, there's a lot of people... And it, wow, you know, and, and until they can get some kind of way to get that information out there about people like you, with with your background, you know, it, there are going to be a lot of false flags and a lot of imitations that are doing more harm than good. And I think that's what hurts your industry a, a, a lot more than word of mouth about you know the things that you that you're good at. And, you know, it, it's not really because, you know, we, as, as competitors, Dad and I have seen, well, even as, as journalists we've seen, you know, people that think they're doing the best for their life and their health are so damaged from it, you know, from the misinformation and, and, and the misgivings of uh, the, the, the stuff that's out there provided because it, it's just so risky. If we don't get better known and, and better addressed, 
then, you, you know, this market will suffer because people have so many fears and doubts behind it. Without the actual research and the people to back it up, it, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be a slow climb. But thank God, guys, give it up. Yeah, I think also, Kalen, that there's 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 an issue with time here as well that people actually get to spend, you know, sharing their life with someone. You know, we generally go to somewhere and someone will be direct to us, right? This this is your condition. You've got a cold. Let's treat the cold. Or this is your condition, mm. you've got uh, a tough problem. You know, everything relates to everything. Our environment, our stress levels. You know, if we've got yeah. high activity in our stress levels or something we're dealing with, our food is, is, is not that beneficial for us because our energy and our stress is burning everything we need, so we're going to need more. So getting to the root cause as to why um, an outcome is such is far more important than what the outcome is as well. Um, to try to help people manage their life because, as you know, everything is interlinked. Um, if we've got a problem at home or with a family or going through a bereavement thing, you know, these things affect and you need to actually treat the core issue rather than looking at everything else that could be possible. So it's about identifying what's good for the person at that point in time based on their total life and I think at times we have to go to too many practitioners as well because they're all specialists in a certain area and don't look outside of that area it's very frustrating for certain people at times and I found from being like a normal trainer to take in a, the role of a coach where you listen more to the person because they actually tell you what their conditions are. And it's not just that they've got an upset tummy, but whether they're, what's their environment at the moment? What, uh, what's going in their life? What, what is affecting all this? Is it emotions? Is it food? Is it stress? Uh, is it the environment? Is it that they're just not absorbing properly at the moment? You know, I don't know a person until such time as they introduce themselves to me and they tell me. Uh, so it's having that that scope to actually review hostilically everything that's affecting the person rather than just trying to treat a symptom. And in Western medicine, there's some absolutely outstanding practices. I mean, we have to be, you know, amazed at some of the things that are there. But you go to a specialist for a specific reason. You don't look at necessarily a preventative measure. It's always a measure when we found, oh, shit. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I think 100% um, you are on the mark when you say that you do have to take in everything that is impacting a person and you have to meet them where they are and they are out there wanting answers to questions but they just don't know where to look because really when you when you think about it you know holistic medicine nutrition coaches all of that kind of stuff it's still relatively new has it always been around yes but it's always been you know something over there that that person is doing not something very mainstream and it's becoming even more mainstream and actually so we've got the scenario from Lillian that I think is a prime example of everything that you've been speaking about and she's asking how how hard is it really to lose the fat and keep it off while being a mother of four with each child having different body types and a husband who is a meat eater 
just the smell of all those foods makes me actually dream of eating everything. So Lily is having visions of food dancing through her head, those sugar plums. I'm not saying I do. I'm just saying that my cravings almost get the best of me. I don't know if I can help keep this up as my children get older. Their appetites are asking for large portions. Might get the best of me. And so, I mean, here's someone who's wanting help but has all sorts of factors outside of just her little world that are bombarding her, just like you were saying. So, Mark, what would you say to Lillian here? I think I think Lillian, uh, number one, should know that she's not on her own. It's an extremely common uh, concern of people. Um, we have you – know, People who really focus on providing for their whole family, they might not put themselves first. But I think it comes down to one knowledge that's going to lead to decision-making that empowers somebody. You know, to understand a little bit more about their body and what's potentially negative, not in a, a generalized theme, but also do it where if you don't do this, this is the, this, this is the result you can get. How does that result potentially feel for you? Yeah, is to give them a controlled environment where you're not trying to do everything at once. You're trying to uh, address things that are comfortable and achievable. Um, and then to allow your body to realize that, but to also keep it in an understanding thing in a lifestyle context where they can understand it, they can feel the things, it's empowered them, they're doing it at their uh, at their pace that they need to do it, so that they're able to identify things like, okay, for instance, I would design the lady a meal where she could add her, her husband's protein. I'm not going to design anything that's bad for the kids. However, you know, the understanding of what's good for a kid and if the kids like a certain way, you know, to make it, to make the family meal very uh, enjoyable for everybody or easier to make for, for everybody. So she's one thing is she cannot ignore the issue because the issue is live and present. It's what we're going to do to try and help the issue. Um, I had a home visit four or five weeks ago with a family, um, uh, three kids and a husband. Um, I found out that the wife actually came to see me without telling the husband. Um, she told me a lot of things about her family and the kids and, and the husband, etc. Um quite openly, um, but she had some serious medical conditions. So I suggested something to her that she took on board and we sat and we met the family. Um, the family didn't know what mum was going through. Um, hmm. When exposing her husband had complete full support for um, full of understanding for his wife, very upset. You're breaking up. We can't understand what you're saying. Okay, did you, I was just going to his home where uh, the wife hadn't told us. And what she was doing with me. So I took a long story short, we went into the house and explained it to the family, and it had a huge kind of impact. Yep, you're still breaking up. So, wherever you move to, we need you to go back. Yes. (laughs) To where you have a better signal. 
How can you hear me? Yeah, you still sound kind of robotic. Okay. It might be the topic connection. Oh. How's that now? I think that's better. better. Okay. Yeah, I was just explaining uh, how I went into a family's home after finding out that the wife wasn't supported at home, but because she hadn't given any information to her family, um, and the family was quite um, shocked at hearing what mom what mom was uh, going through that she kept to herself, um, and the husband was completely understandable, supportive, and that really took a huge amount of pressure off her. Has also got the family, you know, thinking more, more, more aware of how they could assist. Mom still wanted to do the cooking. She still wanted to not have much of a difference, so nobody was panicking or, you know, it was just comfortable for mom that people got on normally. But the husband didn't make any uh, derogatory comments. He he was quite happy when I did a few recipes that also he really liked as well. Um, of course, adding his protein and the kids. You'd be surprised how responsive the kids were, um, even giving mum a little bit more time in doing their own school lunches three times a week was what they agreed to, and they're apparently now doing it and have done it. So it's just been, it's just opening up and, and, and look, looking at life and taking small steps that really help people move forward. All right. And that is, I mean, that is so true, but I am not going to uh, take up a lot of time with my thoughts because we've got some more questions that we need to get to. This one is from Carl. He's asking the question, you use the phrase controlled environment. He wants to know, is that like a field study? Has there been any studies done on families like Lillian's, or do they always have group studies that are monitored by companies and salesmen? Um, the majority of medicals are like the placebo, so it's a group of people. Um, but what I've explained then is very much a one-on-one case, an actual one-on-one case, which is very, very, I'm just telling you from my experience. Um, mm-hmm. The majority of medical studies are based on a group of people and different styles of testing against different groups that are having a different, t- uh, let's say, a different protocol in there to try and um, measure a difference but what I just said was so no but it's quite a common knowledge um, everybody could share the experience of life that this is this is an issue that a lot of people face and I just explained something an actual real life case that is quite uh, regular uh, how the emphasis of being open, of sharing, of understanding, having information, having an understanding, and then gaining support, which is manageable, is a nucleus that we can find, uh, that I find to be a huge component towards people finding betterment and sharing in their life. So it's more from my point of view as experience to which I have gained and witnessed. All right. Thank you, Mark. Question is from Jacob. He is saying, if a person is not wholly truthful with their diet and exercise, can a true nutritionist still fight through the BS and still help the person get to good health and or reach their goals? Um, I think, again, if, if, if we're being realistic about the stepping stones to get to the goals, you know, and we plan something in a manner 
that the person feels is achievable um, and they leave you that it's achievable and they come back and let's say they haven't hit a few goals, they will be thinking about the reason why it was unachievable. So you can sit down then and focus on that. It's not about the bullshit as to why they can't do it. It's about the transformation of what's the next step? What would be our next approach towards this? Is there an alternative that you're going to feel a little bit more comfortable with? You know, not forgetting the journey that they've already taken and how much betterment they've done for themselves. So it's it's not bullshit as such. It's that the issues in life that they're still triggered by, why they go for that piece of chocolate, why they go for this, what the substitute is. So if it needs an extra three, six months to work with someone till they get that into their life, it's not about looking at it as bullshit. It's about saying, hey, this is an experience that this person is still struggling with, so let's work together to try to find a way around it. So things have to change for your body to change. Um, it's just being open um, and really helping somebody to, you know, to coach and empower themselves through this phase that they've actually identified themselves as to the barrier. Right. I, I mean, and part of it too is just you, you can't be afraid to call people out. You, you know BS when you hear BS. Someone can't say, I eat clean, I've stuck to my da-da-da-da-da-da, and they've gained weight, and it's not from muscle. <laughs> we'll put it that way. <laughs> sure. Okay, well, last, uh, last question of the night. This one is from Sam. How can we manage a good week of diet and then make it through the weekend family get-togethers? How do I fight the feelings of mom's cooking? Hashtag the struggle. Okay, we seem to believe that we have to take something away. You know, this, this this is a concept that I can't eat this and he's going to tell me I can't eat that and he's going to put me on salads and he's going to do this, that and the other. Again, we're talking about enjoying your food when it's applicable that your body will enjoy it. So a great example was if you're a, uh, if you're a person who's very active during the day, we're all more active in the day at night, of course, that's natural, is to eat the foods, your protein, your carbohydrates in the middle of the day where you can enjoy. That's very important for me to say that because especially with people who love the social gathering, you know, they're getting a hype from the talk, the lifestyle, the sharing with people. This means something to them. So this creates so much body energy, release of serotonin or dopamine that this physical activity is great. But, you know, just eat it when you're going to burn it. I'm not saying to pick, there may be people that I would like to reduce their protein, yes. Um, but if you're going to have the protein, enjoy it at lunchtime, enjoy it around uh, uh, a meal with the people, or actually just, you know, ha- try to look at the time that you're going to invite people around or what their wedding is. And to be honest, I mean, we have to live in the life. So if you're going to an occasion like a wedding or something like that, then I encourage my people to enjoy the day. Yeah, if they have a bit of fish or they have a bit of protein or this, that, and the other, enjoy the day because it's going to give you more negative. But it can't be every day that you're doing it. It's like a controlled state and managing life. Um, If we look at it's just understanding like, okay, I actually like protein, so when can I have it? I actually like carbohydrates, so when can I have it? When's the best? And when people understand that, they start to plan around it. Also, when people really really feel betterment they're more they're more open to actually making their own decisions that's in their interest 
than just looking at everything as a negative threat against you know a lot of the publications that we go around. I don't I don't feed many people salads because it doesn't really uh, do much for them. So yeah, it's just. <laughs> Well, you know, here's the thing, and 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 I, I got to jump in on this one because that that's a good question, and you know, we we have this like social media is a great thing, but it's also kind of a deterrent to people actually living their lives because there became this this false identity that people can put on 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 social media, and they can have a profile pic from a show that lasts all year, but I can guarantee that the person doesn't look like that person on stage all year. I mean, there's a transition and a transformation that happens during that downtime that, you know, shows that this life isn't, you know, uh, uh, that 365-day-a-year look. And because of that, people do fear, you know, not looking like the person that they're friends with on, on the social realm. And sometimes they take that to heart to where they identify that person as looking like that all the time. And so that's hard to compete with. And when you know that somebody can get ready or stage ready, you don't. Most people that listen to our show aren't competitive ready, but they do know what a competitor looks like, and that self-image sometimes morphs into their mind where they feel they have to hold themselves to that standard as well. Uh, Mark, could you please uh, elaborate on what I just said and let people know that they can be normal and it's okay. Yeah, I think I think, uh, and it's a great point, Kaylin. Uh, and it's one of the most heightened type of experiences and mindsets that I think that I've found that people have, uh, especially entering the industry. Um, let's face that now. Um, the top of even the world champs of natural bodybuilding do not want to stay in stage condition all the time. It's just it's not it's not the most healthiest of conditions, um, and it's just something that is not maintainable. So. Returning back to a good, healthy lifestyle, um, full of everything that you should eat to support your body, is what they look forward to. Um, of course, the athlete can't stay like that 12 months a year. We also see quite a number of occasions um, where top athletes are just burning out and missing a season because they've been actually overworking their body, staying at that, that point of fat level for just way too long happens an awful lot with females so uh, or their effective hormones yes. so they become that even even the highest performing athletes need to be quite wise and to learn more about themselves out of season but yes the question really is yeah the question really is is that you know mm -hmm. i um whether I'm right or wrong, I've read a lot of scripts from people that are going out to people. Um, number one, it has to be de designed on you. Number two, you know, you there, there is no need for you to be on a diet on the other side, Kaylin, where your fat score is 20. That doesn't support muscle. What that actually ends up as is that you're going to have to deprive yourself of all that weight down for a much longer period of time. So it's about that continual monitoring through the season and to be aware that, no, they don't look like that all year. I had a case yesterday where a lady got upset with me because she had a conversation with Tanaka and I haven't given her the same plan as Tanaka. You know, I can understand why the woman is looking at Tanaka and saying, I want to look like that. Um, but they're two completely different 
people with two completely body compositions, so it's going to be different. And unfortunately, this lady's 22% fat score and Tanaka is walk, walking around at 14. Um, they don't stay at that 6 percent It's just too healthy and it's yeah, quite derogatory. You have to face it that it's just not a thing that it's healthy for a person to hold. It is not. It is not. And so I think that in and of itself is a good thought to end. I mean, the goal is to be healthy, not necessarily strive to maintain a look unless you have a purpose, specific purpose to maintain a look. And even then, having enough knowledge to know when to give your body a break and when to get back at that look. It's just, it's just not healthy. So I always please advise everyone, pursue health first, pursue health first. And with that being said, ah, we have to go. Our time is up. Um, and we didn't even get to talk about what I really wanted to talk about that I tabled, and that is protein consumption because I think there are a lot of misgivings about, there, about that as well, and we're going to have to hit that on another show. So Mark South, I do hope you will join us again um, and enjoy the rest of your day in Australia because I know it's just early afternoon there. But thanks so much for taking the time and sharing your knowledge with us today. No, thanks. Thank you and thank the audience. Thank you. All right. So with that, folks, this is going to be real quick. Kaylin, Snickerdoodle shout out. Snickerdoodle Vegemite. <laughs> On behalf of Mark South, Kaylin Patterson, myself, and the boy from P4P Muscle, your body is a temple. So let's build it. With Vegemite protein. <laughs>